Well, good morning. If you are one of those individuals that we just saw in the slideshow, if you're a graduating senior, we'd invite you to come to the stage. We, wanna, we don't want to embarrass you. We just want to pray over you and, and kind of commission you this morning as a church, blessing you and, and saying congratulations corporately. So make your way to the stage and, and kind of go ahead and line up, line up here. Right now, uh, all of the grades, this is graduation Sunday, so as we speak, right up here, uh, behind the wall up here, uh, everyone's kind of moving up, and so those that are entering uh, flood are, are being celebrated in all the different ministries. But today, we especially want to acknowledge this group because they're taking the biggest step. We're done with this education, and we're launching into the world. And some might continue on in, in different education pieces, but what a momentous moment this is. So if you could give your name and, and plan for next year. I know we saw it here, but if you could just rehearse it. If you know it, you don't have to know what you're doing. But hey, I'm going to this school or planning to do this thing. Starting with you, Lance. Uh, I'm Lance Behrens, and it actually changed. I'm now attending Luther College to play baseball. Ooh. Yes. All right, and go ahead and, and just pass it down. I'm Emma Jacob. I'm attending Bethel University for nursing. Uh, I'm Blake Taylor, and I'm attending Hennepin Tech for audio production. I'm Abigail Bratz, and I am attending Minnesota State University for biology. I'm Jeremy Sivan, and I'm going to Dunwoody College of Technology for computer networking. I'm Leo Osegard, and I'm going to South Dakota State for computer science. Well, we, we want to uh, let this group represent the full group of seniors and pray for them intentionally this morning. So if you could join me by maybe just extending your hand and in spirit join me in this prayer of, of commissioning. Lord, thank you for these men and women that we have heard from here this morning and the many others represented in the slideshow that we know um, are at, either at Shakopee or another service. Lord, thank you for the ways that you have been faithful in their life. You have brought them to this place of completing a um, number of years of study and uh, different events and activities to, to bring them to graduation. And we want to, as a church, acknowledge the good gift that these students are. Thank you for these men and women and the ways that you've uniquely gifted them and wired them to make an impact in this world, to bring a kingdom impact by using their skills and abilities in a variety of uh, occupations, vocations, as was mentioned in the, in the slideshow, a whole host of different areas that they're going to be entering into, Lord willing, and making a difference, being salt and light, being uh, winsome, uh, innocent as serpents, uh, uh, that they would, that they would um, innocent as doves, crafty, it's the verse in the Bible, you know it. But, but that, that they would strategically um, interact with others in a way that brings flourishing. Ultimately, that they would lead others to Jesus and that they would just practically use the, the way that you have wired them uh, to make an impact. We, we acknowledge this morning this is not the future of the church. This is the church. They are currently full-fledged congregants that um, are serving and, and loving and living like you. And so... This morning as they uh, 
are on this stage, we want to commission them to the, to the good work you have for them, knowing that they're our brothers and our sisters, um, our co-laborers, our partners in the gospel. Lord, loosen our wallets as we visit their grad parties to help them uh, make a dent on the college or other training that they have, and help us to be strategic in our conversations, recognizing we don't know what we're going to do in our future necessarily, and as they're trying to discern that, that we would be uh, gracious in our conversations and encouraging and doing whatever we can to open doors for them vocationally, relationally, um, do our best to launch them well. So again, bless these students, these precious ones that we love so well, and, and use them mightily in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. You know the We're so thankful for our high school seniors and grateful for what God is doing in their lives. And so uh, we acknowledge them and say thank you to God for what he is doing. Uh, as we're talking about youth ministry, I also want to acknowledge that this week uh, we had four youth ministry interns start for the summer. I see a few of them out there. I won't embarrass them. I didn't get that permission beforehand. Uh, but we're so thankful for those youth ministry interns that are starting and working over the summer. They're meeting with staff every week, meeting with uh, campus pastors each week, meeting with a mentor each week, planning, programming, spending time with students, and we're gonna, excited to see what God's going to do uh, in and through them over the course of this summer. I am very excited uh, to welcome our guest speaker for the day. As Pastor Kenny would say, I am stoked out of my mind. <laughs> yes. His name is John Tolley. He needs no introduction to many of you. Pastor John is the pastor of Oakwood Community Church in Waconia, Minnesota. Uh, he and his wife, Janelle, have now been there for six years almost. Can you believe that? Right? Six years. Before that, before Pastor John was at Oakwood, he was here as the pastor of Friendship Church Prior Lake. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about the fact that within ministry, sometimes there's people who, who plant and sometimes there's people who water and sometimes there's people who reap. Ultimately, it's God who gives the growth. And within the framework of that, part of what we learn is that our ministries are dependent upon those who come before us and those who come after us. And I have had the opportunity here at Friendship to reap the blessings of John's good ministry here at Friendship Church Prior Lake. Because in his time here, John sowed seeds among us as a family of love for God, of a commitment to Christian community, of a desire to reach lost people with the gospel, of a commitment to prayerful decision-making. And because of Pastor John's sowing good seed, we've had an opportunity to reap that harvest of goodness among us as a community. And so, Pastor John, I'm thankful for your ministry because, quite selfishly, it has benefited me as I have been here. But we as a community are all thankful for you and the investment that you made in Friendship Church, the impact it makes on our lives as a community and on our discipleship. And so, come and share the Word of God with us. Lead us once again, Pastor John. Thank you, Matt. 
Appreciate it. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I said it was really weird in the first service, uh, but really a good weird. Um, oh, man. I'm not going to cry, Matt. You know, that's, why, that's why the tissues are up here. I couldn't get through the first service. Yeah. Um, but what, what, a, what a gift to uh, feel welcome to come back here. My heart is very full. I, I can tell you that after one service, it's just like, um, I not, I'd not seen any of this remodeling or anything. I hadn't seen any of that. So it's kind of like, you know, we've been gone for five and a half years, but in COVID years, it's like 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's how it feels. And so thank you to Pastor Matt and Pastor Kenny, very kind to invite me to come back and just share with you. And um, I feel very blessed to do that. You know, I think of my years at Friendship, um, I have some great memories of my time here. And feel very grateful for the time I got to serve here. Um, Friendship Church, I love you guys. And um, you're always going to be a part of my story. <laughs> yeah, I don't say yeah. <laughs> Someone say something funny so I can stop crying. I can't put the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't take any shots at the balcony in the first service, but... It's nice to get you all in one spot, that is, because I don't have to keep anybody awake up there this time. So, but you know, I, I, I feel that, you know, God obviously called us to Oakwood and Waconia, and, and we do pray for friendship, and we're so grateful to see what God is doing here. But I would ask that you pray for us in Waconia too. Um, Waconia is growing in every area, and we are reaching people just by accident because they're just looking for a church, and we're one of them. And so... We want to do more than that. We want to see some lives change for the gospel, and we want to be good stewards because God is bringing so many people into our neighborhood. And, uh, you know, we're all in this to together, amen? Um, we're just in different locations right now. So I, I just want to thank you for such a warm welcome and kindness coming back in here. But I told these guys, if I was going to come back here and preach, um, if I was going to come back at all, is we're going to talk about God's word. That's the most important thing, because um, that's who we worship, and that's what we're here for. Uh, but I will introduce you to my family. Some of them are in the service. I, I won't point them out. I'll just let them. Uh, I don't want to embarrass them. But this is our family. This is, uh, we came here. We moved here in 2009 to serve at Friendship. Our girls were middle school and high school at that time. So there was a little bit of drama with that transition, uh, moving and changing uh, but I can tell you that I've asked the girls, they look back on that, and, and they value their time at Friendship and the youth ministry and the things that they experienced here. And uh, this is an updated picture from last September, our four daughters. Uh, Amber's our oldest on the end. Amber works in Shakopee, so she's around. Tanya's our third oldest. She works in Chaska. I'm the old man there. My beautiful wife, Janelle, um, is here. Our, this is our youngest daughter, Morgan. Um, she works up at the University of Northwestern in St. Paul. She got married to Sam uh, September 4th. And then Leanna is with her husband, David, and their three kids. And they are in, uh, the, he is stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And so we get Zoom time with our grandkids. Uh, Maya just turned two. James is four. And uh, Stephanie is eight. 
And so I feel really old looking at that picture. <laughs> but also very blessed, you know, just with the family that God has given us. And, um, you know, I did some looking online to prepare for today. And um, I, I used this gospel gain when I preach. I used something when I was here before. I'd call kind of the main point of the message. I'd called it something. But since I left here, I just have really trying to figure out what is the main point of the passage that we're going to talk about? What is the gospel um, going to impact our lives in a positive way? And so I've come up with this phrase called a gospel gain. How, what, what do we gain from God's word today? And, and so I did watch a few of the sermons leading up to today to see what you guys have been studying in Romans, watch Pastor Matt and and Pastor Kenny, just to get a feel for how things are going and, and what you're talking about. And I, I have to apologize because I don't have any cool pictures like Pastor Matt does. Um, all I've got is this. And so uh, he'll pick that up for you next week and, and carry that. But this gospel gain is so important to me. And we're going to talk about some reminders that come out of this passage. But the gospel gain to me is, if I was going to summarize what we're going to talk about this morning, this is it. Look at this. Waiting patiently with hopeful anticipation is part of the redemption process. There's this tension that we live with as followers of Jesus Christ. We long for eternity to be with God forever, and that's going to be awesome, but we have to live here and now. And there's some challenges that come with that. So how do we wait patiently? How many of you are not so good at waiting patiently? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. We're not patient people a lot of times, and there's a lot of opportunities for us to not be patient. But what I think we're going to see what Paul talks about here, he uses this phrase over and over again about waiting patiently with hopeful anticipation. So we are going to talk about the redemption process and how God has already given us a taste of that, but it's not fully realized until we get to eternity. So we have this tension of waiting patiently with hopeful anticipation. And it's a part of the process that we're going to talk about today. So open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 or your devices, wherever you can get God's Word in front of you. Romans 8, uh, 18 to 27 is what we're going to look at today. And I want to just give you a little bit of an overview. We're going to see that spiritual hope is vital to our faith journey. That's absolutely critical, especially when we go through seasons of uh, pain and suffering. We need something to hope for, to look forward to, and, and spiritual hope that's described here is so important to us. Uh, we're going to see how Paul talks about how both creation and Christ's followers are groaning as we wait for that full reality, the full experience of redemption, God's completed work. We get to see that. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit helps us as believers, helps us pray when we don't know what we're supposed to pray about, interceding for us before the Father, and even, you know, even aligning our prayers with God's will. We've got all kinds of help from the Holy Spirit of God. So it's some good news. I hope these are encouraging to you. Uh, the first reminder is this. Future glory will outweigh our present suffering. Future glory will outweigh our present suffering. Now, I, I want to be very, very uh, honest here. Some of you come in with a lot of, of pain. Some of you have had some hard weeks, maybe hard months. Uh, maybe just this morning you got some bad news. I don't know. Life is filled with some pain and suffering. And I don't want to diminish anybody's suffering this morning 
But what Paul is going to talk about in these first few verses is how this future glory far outweighs our present suffering. And that doesn't mean that our present suffering isn't significant. Because you think about the Apostle Paul, his suffering was very significant at times and very difficult. But yet, what we're going to see is that he says future glory is so much greater than the suffering that we experience today. Look at these first, this first verse. Apostle Paul writes here, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So Paul doesn't downplay the reality of suffering in our world, but he's talking about um, in comparison to the glory of eternity, this is so much lesser. The future glory is going to be so awesome compared to the sufferings that we endure now. Some of those things that we can anticipate, we can look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where we can anticipate the resurrection of our bodies, that we're going to have new bodies, that we could look at Revelation 21 and 22, this new heaven and new earth. I mean, it's, going to, it's hard for us to even to comprehend how awesome it's going to be. But Paul just gives us a perspective here that future glory is going to outweigh our present suffering. And what I hope for you is that that keeps you moving forward. Don't give up when the pain and suffering hits your path. Because future glory is worth the perseverance to keep going. And that's that tension of waiting patiently with hopeful anticipation. We kind of want it now. And there's a longing for that. That's normal. So hold on to the reality that it's there, but we have to endure some things along the way. You know, in the Old Testament, glory was described as the weight and the majesty of God's presence. But here, Paul's applying this term to the final state of the Christ follower. When we have been transformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. That, that complete redemption. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved in this reality, in this world. But you're not going to fully get that full experience until we are in glory. We get a big taste of it now. And it almost makes us long for what's yet to come. When we are fully transformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So right now, what we need to do is be thinking about how can I become more and more like Jesus Christ while we're here? How can I even use the pain and the suffering of this world? And how can God use that in my life to make me to be more and more like Jesus Christ? The Apostle Paul is writing this from his own life circumstances. This faithful missionary and church builder uh, faced all kinds of suffering in his ministry and, and wanting to advance the gospel and be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And he was beaten. He was unfairly accused of things. He was thrown into prison, all kinds of things. But he says in this context, yeah, those times of suffering, man, they don't even compare to what's coming. Future glory is going to be so awesome compared to the challenges that we face here. You know, think about it. We live in a culture that often goes to great lengths to seek comfort. And, and, and I don't want to discourage anybody, but we, a lot of times our prayers are keep us safe, keep us comfortable, make it easy. The Christian life is not problem-free or pain-free. And when do you think God does his most significant work in our lives? Is it when we're nice and bubble-wrapped or when we go through difficult seasons? It's like that's when God really gets our attention because we have to depend on him in ways that we don't have to when everything is smooth sailing. 
Not that we have to go looking for pain and suffering. It finds us. Amen to that? But, but how can God use that to keep shaping us into his image, to be more and more like Christ until that day when we're finally fully redeemed before him? You know, we all have times of pain and suffering, and it comes in different ways. There's, there's times when we experience suffering because we're trying to live for Jesus and take stands for the gospel, and we experience some pushback for that. Pain and suffering comes in a lot of different forms, and we, and we have to trust God through all of it. You know, how many of you were just longing for 2020 to get over with? You know? How many of you were longing for 2021 to get over with? Because like 2020 kind of seeped into 2021. Did that happen to anybody for you? It sure did for me. I'm like, oh, that calendar changes. 2021, it's going to be an awesome year. I got COVID on January 2nd. <laughs> and, I, you know, and I'm like, what? This isn't right. And just a little backtracking there, as a church in, in Waconia, we, I started doing a capital campaign with them, trying to raise funds to help this church get moving and, and, and tackle some things that we needed to before I was actually done here. I was already helping them. And so we did one capital campaign, and we started our second capital campaign on, on March 15th, 2020. <laughs> so we're launching a capital campaign my first Sunday going online. And I'm going, what? So we kind of shut it down after a little bit, and we relaunched at the beginning of January 2021. And I got covid and so we launched that from my living room because I had to be isolated and I didn't feel that good. So we launched it. And I go, okay, God, how can your glory be on display through all of this? Because this is not how I want it to be. And his supernatural math does his thing. And God provides and he gets all the glory when circumstances are less than what we desire. So I hit 2021. I've never had surgery in my life, and I had two surgeries in 2021. I had uh, kidney stones last July. How many of you ever had kidney stones? That is like the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. I woke up from surgery, and I sobbed in front of Janelle. I was so much in pain. And, you know, they gave me treatment, and we started working through that, and I just longed to get on the other side of that situation. But here's the reality. I had that surgery beginning of August to deal with the kidney stones. And every day, it took a while. Man, the first couple of weeks was a lot of pain. And then you slowly, okay, I'm hopeful. I'm going to be feeling better. But you know what? I'm never going to be fully healed until eternity. And those kidney stones, they, those things could come back anytime. That kind of bothers me. <laughs> you know? So I'm trying to do everything I can to prevent that. But then in... Um, Last May, I was playing church league softball. That was really dumb, just let me tell you. At this age, I should have not have been playing anymore, and I broke a bone in my foot. So that was May, but I didn't have surgery on that foot until um, November. They finally went in and took a bone chip out of my foot, and I like to run. So I didn't run at all last year. That's like therapy for me. And I finally had the surgery on my foot, and I was longing for that to heal, and I'm just now starting to run again. And there again, the healing process takes time. And I'm looking forward to when I can go out and run and be somewhat normal, but I'm reminded of the pain in my foot. It's going to probably be there for the rest of my life. And I wonder about when these kidney stones are going to come back because the reality is I won't fully experience healing until I get to heaven. And that same for us is true for spiritual things. But that future glory outweighs our present suffering. You know, I had a pastor that mentored me 
years ago when I first started ministry, and I've shared this with you if you've been around here, um, that we need to adjust our gaze and our glance. When we talk about what Paul's talking about here, this future glory is going to outweigh our present suffering, we need to adjust our gaze and a glance because what happens a lot of times when we go into seasons of pain and suffering is we kind of get fixated right here on our little world and all the pain and woe is me and we glance up at God once in a while, maybe on a Sunday morning or we listen to a song and then we just get fixated back on our stuff here and we're just gazing at the wrong things. And he taught me early on, he said, you got to adjust your gaze and your glance. We need to be gazing at God as, as much as possible on every topic and we glance Glance down at our stuff and go, okay, God, I need you to help me with this. Maybe that's where you're at today. You need to adjust your gaze and your glance. Get your eyes back on the future glory. It's worth it to keep following Jesus. Reminder number two is Christ followers share the groaning of creation. So this tension of uh, you know, waiting patiently with future and hopeful, joyful anticipation, there's a reality of groaning for all of us. Creation is groaning. Christ's followers are groaning. Look at these next few verses here in Romans 8. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. There's a lot there. I summarize it in this phrase. Christ's followers share in the groaning of creation. And, and I get that because there are some key phrases that are repeated here. Verse 19, creation waits with eager longing. Verse 23, there's, we wait eagerly to be adopted as his children. Verse 25, which we'll look at in a little bit, we wait with patience. But there's this groaning that happens in and through us as we wait. But we wait with hope as Christ followers. We are different in, than creation. We wait with hope. We're waiting for God's redemptive work to be fully completed. But there's this groaning that happens in this tension. We're waiting with hope for something better to come, but there's seasons of groaning that's happening for us as well. This groaning and frustration could be because we're waiting to be fully adopted as his children. We've been adopted, but we haven't fully realized all of the benefits until eternity when it's made complete. Some of the frustration and groaning might be because of the curse that Adam incurred in Genesis chapter 3. Sin came into the Garden of Eden and God had created this beautiful place for all of creation and then sin entered in and, and wow, we've experienced the groaning of that and creation has experienced the groaning of that reality of sin. Maybe the frustration and groaning is connected to the reality that we know there's a better day coming and we just wish it could happen sooner. And because we can have a taste of what's coming, it makes us long for it more. Some of the groaning is for the Christian is because we see depravity on display around us and sometimes in us. We see what sin has done to people's lives and we see how sin can get us and we do some things and ah, we groan. And we long for that full redemption when we don't have to worry about that anymore. 
There's a reality of groaning as we wait. Um, I'm, I'm probably not the most patient person. And I know some of you might not be either. And I can tell you where you find the least patient people, and that's in the coffee drive through in the morning. <laughs> right? I don't drink coffee, so I don't get it. I don't have that sinful problem. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just lost a lot of friends right there, didn't I? But I'm telling you what, you get in the drive through for coffee people, and if they don't get their coffee in like two minutes, they're like honking their horns. They're mad. You can just feel the tension. And maybe it's because they need their caffeine fix, and then they'll be fine. But as a culture, we just don't wait very well. And there's a lot of reasons for groaning. I want you to think about why are you groaning as you wait. As Christians, we wait for the return of Jesus Christ. We, we anticipate his return or he takes us home, whichever comes first. But are we spiritually using this time other than just groaning all the time? What, what if God wants to teach us something in the midst of this season of waiting? And, and rather than groaning, what if we could say, okay, God, what do you have to teach me in this? What if we could grow while we're groaning? What, what if God could use this in our lives to help us to become more and more like Jesus? Because the reality is groaning's going on, but let's not waste it. God doesn't. So how can we grow as we groan? Verse 23 is a great reminder. Look at this. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We have been given an incredible gift. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the gift of God's Holy Spirit in your life, his presence in your life. And it reminds us, it's like a down payment or a pledge of what's yet to come. The Holy Spirit is this first fruits. Let me just give you a taste of what it's going to be like. And, and when you depend on the Holy Spirit and walk in step with the Holy Spirit, you realize this tension of we've already experienced some of the things, the blessings of being a follower of Jesus Christ, and then there's some things that are not yet realized. And that's the tension we live with. Let me just give you a taste. But boy, that's just a taste of what's coming. And that can cause some of the groaning. But the Holy Spirit of God is like this first fruits for us. And I think it's like a motivator. Just keep going. We'll talk more about the Holy Spirit in a little bit. But there's this full redemption of our bodies, this new heaven and new earth. And it's hard sometimes to wait patiently for that. I like what one scholar said. He said this. We can consider that this new body will be ideally suited to the new environment as our old bodies have been designed for this environment. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So God's given us bodies, and sometimes the breakdown of those bodies causes groaning. But when we have this new body, it's hard for us to even understand what that's going to be like. But God, God's got it, and it's going to be worth it. Don't give up. A better day is coming. What if you could find some ways to grow while you groan? All right? Here's the gospel gain again. Waiting patiently with hopeful anticipation is part of the redemption process. <coughs> Excuse me. So if you're experiencing some of this, it's normal. It's normal. If you're getting a little impatient, that's normal. But how do we redeem it as we're being redeemed is what we want to be thinking about. Don't waste it. So two more. The third reminder we're going to see in Scripture here is that hope is the essence of our salvation. Hope is the essence of our salvation. This is so encouraging. Look at this. In verses 24 and 25, it says, For in this hope we were saved. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, just to be clear. 
Our hope is not in church attendance or giving to charity or serving a bunch on a Sunday morning. Our hope and our only hope is in Jesus Christ. His life, death, and resurrection is what gives us hope. And we get a taste of that when we choose to put our faith and trust in him and we are saved. Now hope is hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Hope is, is so critical to everything around Jesus. The aorist tense here implies in the original language that this salvation is definitely yours. You put your hope in Jesus Christ, you experience salvation, but because of that tense, it indicates that the full enjoyment of that lies in the future. So not to take away from our salvation experience here on earth, but we don't even understand how much greater it's going to be. The full realization is yet to come. This hope is our lifeline in a world filled with storms. And so I was thinking about this, and maybe you've heard this before, but I was thinking about the pioneers that came to the Midwest like this. Can you imagine what it was like for them to come into the Midwest with no technology, nothing to help them, and they build a home, and, and, and they're trying to start crops and all that, and they build a barn. Do you know that in the Midwest, they had a pretty consistent pattern of building a home first, then building a barn, and then they would tie a rope from the barn to the house. And you might ask, why? Well, because in the Midwest, these blizzards and storms can come upon us out of nowhere, and they cause all kinds of trouble. And if that farmer is out in the field, he, he, if he can get back to the barn... He might be okay, but if he can get back to the house, then he's really going to be safe. And these storms, they didn't have smartphones back then. Did you know that? (laughs) You know, they didn't have radar systems. They didn't have anything to kind of warn them, so they had to plan ahead. And so when a storm would hit, they'd try to get to the barn, get the animals taken care of, and then they'd grab that rope, and it would lead them right back to the house to safety. It's like a lifeline for them. Unfortunately, there are so many pioneers that died because they couldn't get back to safety. Or they died right in the front of their house because they had nothing to lead them back. Hope in Jesus Christ is our lifeline. The storms of life are going to hit us. What's leading you back to safety? There are people that are holding on to inappropriate ropes or ropes that are going to lead them to nowhere. Jesus Christ And his hope is the essence of our salvation. And the storms are coming. My hope is that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have. Good, I'm glad you've read John 3.16. That's good. That's such a simple verse. People outside the church know that verse. The invitation is there for you this morning. You want to know this hope? Turn and put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. And you have something to look forward to. You have a lifeline to hold on to. You can finish the race as you wait patiently. Here's the fourth one. The Holy Spirit helps us as we wait. This is good news. The Holy Spirit helps us as we wait. We don't have to try and figure this out on our own. And we really shouldn't. We have help to go along the way. Look at these last few verses here. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what, we, what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit helps us as we wait. This journey can't be done alone and it shouldn't be done alone. The Holy Spirit is there and, you know, the, the, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as our guide, our counselor, the one to remind us of the teachings of Jesus, all these things. But he's there to guide us. Look at this. He helps us in our weaknesses. When we don't even know what, we're pray, what we should pray for, maybe because we're in a season of severe suffering or confusion, the Holy Spirit is there to make sure we get to the finish line, to keep us moving forward. So we don't even know what to say. We can't articulate our thoughts. The Holy Spirit is there to help us with our prayers and then intercedes before, uh, with, for us before the Father. And then he's aligning our prayers with God's will. We have help to make sure that we're not getting off track. The Holy Spirit helps us as we wait patiently and long for that reality, the full redemption of everything that God's promised for us. We can keep moving forward, and we have help to do that, and the Holy Spirit is there for us as followers of Jesus. I want to end by telling you a little bit about this. Some of you know because I, some of you are friends with me on Facebook, so you see this, but since I left Friendship, Friendship, I, I, I took on a, um, a goal to, to learn how to run a half marathon. And so I did a few of those when I was here, and I said I would never run a marathon. Well, then I went to a different church, and... You know, I got, inv- I got inspired to, to run for World Vision and raise money for water to ki- get kids, kids water in Africa. And so since I left, from 17, 2017 to 2019, I ran four marathons. And yeah, you learn everything about yourself and all kinds of spiritual um, applications are on display in a marathon because you train for it, you run it, and you're just like, I just want to quit and I don't want to do this, but you persevere to the end. You want to get this done. You want to finish the race. <clears throat> and then you've got a little old lady comes running past you in the middle of a marathon. And <laughs> nothing against little old ladies, but that's demoralizing, you know? <laughs> or you got some little kid running past you, and you're like, what am I? I'm just done, you know? So there's a lot of mind games that go on while you're running. And, and you're physically struggling, and you're just like, fighting to just finish this race. Do I want to finish this race? And those kinds of things happen. And it's not about comparison. It's about completion. It's not about how other people are running your race and you have to work through all of this. you got a lot of time while you're running. It's like four hours. But all this is going on and then you got people cheering you on. It's like, come on, you can do this. You can finish this thing. And, and you're like, okay. And then you have some self-doubt. This is the journey of faith, isn't it? And when I'm at my worst, when I was running these things, and I'm done with them, by the way. Um, I don't think my foot's going to allow me to do that anymore anyhow, but I'm done. I did my thing. But there's so many memories of it. And at least a couple of these marathons, I was in a bad place, and I was thinking about, you know, I just don't want to do this. I hate it. Why did I sign up for this? But I'm like, okay, I want to keep going. And then you get a little dose of reality and perspective. In a couple of these, a blind runner ran past me. And I'm like, what do I have to complain about? Here's a blind runner, with, and they're tethered to another guide runner. And I'm like, wow. And you watch this. And here's this blind runner, 
given everything they have, and they've got a guide that's making sure they stay on track, they don't trip over this, you got to go around this person, and you can do this. And do you know what that is to me? That's a, that's a living image of the Holy Spirit of God. He's as close as the air that we breathe, and he's there to help you get to the end. So wait patiently, with anticipation. I want to give you an opportunity just to think about a couple of application points quickly. Maybe for some of you, you need to adjust your gaze and your glance. You've forgotten how awesome our God is because you've been so focused on the hurt. So maybe you need to adjust your gaze and your glance. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to grow as you've grown. I can't take the suffering away for you, from you, but maybe God could add some growth into it. Maybe it's a return to hope that you have in your salvation. You've kind of forgotten about that. That lifeline is there for you. Let's, let's grab hold of that again. Or maybe for some of you, it's just learning to depend on the Holy Spirit of God because you've been trying to run this race by yourself and it's not going so well. But you've got help. So let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for caring about every detail of our life. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us finish the race so that we can experience the full reality of your redemption. God, thank you for giving us a taste of what it's like and what it's gonna be like. God, I pray for each and every one of us that we would just keep moving forward in faith, trusting you, depending on you, walking with you, a better day is coming and we want to celebrate that together it's not a competition we want to see everybody complete the race and so god we thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do it's in jesus name we pray amen thank you john the reason that we have the hope of the holy spirit's presence and power in our lives the reason that we have the hope of the future glory that we can look forward to is because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so we're going to transition to a time of taking the Lord's Supper now in which we remember him and remember what he has done on our behalf so that these blessings, these gospel gains can be ours. And so as the worship team sings and we sing along with them the praises of Jesus, when your heart is ready, I want to encourage you to go to the tables that are in the corners of the room where you can take the bread and the cup back to your seat and I'll lead us in the taking of the elements in just a few minutes. Let's continue to praise our God together and get our hearts ready in order to participate in remembrance of him. <laughs> 